Are you a church leader trying to navigate the tension of doing ministry both online and in person? Welcome to the Bricks and Clicks Church Leadership Podcast, a podcast where church leaders and ministry experts share ideas, solutions, and experiences about making church work both in person and online. Meet the hosts of Bricks and Clicks, a Brit and an Aussie who became friends in their efforts of making churches irresistible. Duncan Banks lives just outside London, England, and Jason Perkins lives in Brisbane, Australia. Without further ado, here are your hosts, Banksy and Perko. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to Bricks and Clicks. I hope you feel part of our family and part of our tribe. My name's Duncan Banks. I'm in London and I'm with my co-host. Well, I'm not actually with my co-host. I'm looking at my co-host through a Zoom screen, which is how we do life these days. But Jason, how's life in sunny Brisbane? Mate, things are great in sunny Brisbane. It is uh, the midst of summer and uh, we've just got some great activities going on with family being on holidays and all the good things that go with that part of and season of life. So yeah, doing really well. Churches are uh, still navigating though, Duncan, this kind of hybrid between church in person and church online. You know, we've had our own ups and downs with the pandemic here in Australia where, you know, on a Friday actually, Duncan, recently, our uh, state government came out and said that we were on a three-day lockdown um, because a new variant of the COVID virus came out. So on a Friday, literally churches found out that they couldn't do church that Sunday in person. And we've all had to pivot and we've all had to be agile and, and make adjustments. And today we're actually having a conversation with a friend of mine who helps churches do that, not just over a weekend, but over a season to help them kind of revitalize. A friend of mine, Jim Tomblin, um, it's well known for helping churches through mergers and uh, helping churches really revitalize campuses that maybe once were thriving and are no longer thriving by coming alongside a larger church. Yeah. So that, that's so I, what's happening today on the show, Duncan. Well, I, I, when I heard this podcast, I thought at Bricks and Clicks audience, our tribe, they need to hear this conversation. It's new thinking. It's fresh. And I think it's going to open the doors of the minds to some pastors who think, you know, this could be a way in which we could reach unchurched people and grow the church more successfully. Uh, so uh, buckle up, everybody. You need a notepad. You need a pen because you're going to get some nuggets here as Jason dives into this conversation with Jim Tomblin. Have a listen. Um, my name is Jason Perkins, and I have the privilege of being involved in a network of churches here in Australia called the Irresistible Churches Network. And uh, we're so happy to be able to have Jim Tomberlin with us this morning, here in Australia, at least it's this morning. Jim, you're in Colorado Springs. It's the afternoon. We live in the future, um, but uh, you live a little bit in the past. But how are, how's the weather? How are things in Colorado Springs today as you guys are entering fall, autumn? Well, it started out to be a very cool morning and it ended up to be a very warm day and as it typically does this time of the year. And so it's yeah. in no humidity. It's a great place to live. So Yeah, that's awesome. So as you're joining into the, uh, to the webinar today, I'd love it if you just jump into the chat, um, type in your name, uh, where, you're, where you're at and what church you're affiliated with. That would really help us out. Um, so I'm just going to type that into the chat right now as well. Jim, while I'm doing that, um, can you just give us a little bit of background on, on your life, ministry? Man, you've, you've worked in a number of really fantastic churches over the years. Uh, you've been a lead pastor of a church, several churches. You've helped out with uh, the multi-site movement from the very early, early days of that in the 90s. 
give people a little bit of background mm-hmm. on who you are. Well, first of all, I want to say, Jason, thank you for the privilege of being on your show today, your program. And uh, it's an honor. We, uh, I had the joy of getting to know you when you lived here in Colorado Springs. Uh, and I appreciate our friendship and your ministry. Uh, you are lo- well loved here and missed. Oh, thanks, but uh, it's a great privilege to be with you today and to uh, all of our friends down, down under. Uh, That's it, down under. Yeah. In a day ahead. Yes. So, um, but uh, I've been a pastor for over four decades. Um, I've had, uh, I was one of the early multi-site pioneers that began right here with me in, in my church uh, the, in Colorado Springs at Woodman Valley Chapel back in the mid-90s, where uh-huh. I started uh, down that path as one of the early multi-site church pioneers that got me invited to um, come to Willow Creek church, Community Church in Chicago to develop the multi-site model in the uh, early 2000s, early part of this century. And yeah. so uh, I was there for five years and launched the first uh, uh, four additional campuses of, of uh, Willow Creek. But then uh-huh. I left um, Willow Creek because so many churches were calling me across the U.S. saying, Jim, could you come talk to us about how you do this multi-site thing? Yeah. And so after believing I'd accomplished what I'd supposed to do there at Willow Creek, and today there are over eight locations, and um, uh, I left Willow, uh, Willow Creek in Chicago to serve the body of Christ, uh, yeah. initially in the U.S. and then uh, Europe and um, as well in South America. And so we, um, uh, as one of those early pioneers, I rode that wave of the multi-site movement, which is still growing, still ex- you know, expanding. Uh, in the middle of all the multi-site movement, this new kind of merger emerged and, uh, and became uh, one of the early... Um, uh, pioneers in, in helping churches through mergers, a different yeah. kind of merger today, which we're going to talk about. But so for the last 15 years, I've been a church consultant. And, uh, and last year, I merged my company, Multi-Site Solutions, with my good friend, Tony Morgan, and the Unstuck Group. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, I'm con- I am serving as the chief of staff of a, of a, a church in Miami, uh, where it's a um, Multi-site church, 17 locations, seven across Miami, 10 across South America. And yeah. so um, that's kind of my life in the last four decades. I've yeah. um, had a privilege no, of working with several great churches over the years. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fantastic. So Jim, you and I have chatted a little bit about church mergers. And the part of the reason why we started chatting about it is you have just re-released and expanded an updated version of Better Together, which yeah, is up thank on the you. Screen. I have my copy too. Yeah, yeah good. So. Yeah, I'm sure you have more than one. But um, you have just put this out. Tell us a little bit about the book when you first wrote it. When when was that? And then also tell us a little bit as people are jumping on and and telling us where they're tuning in from and the name of their church and so on. Um, tell us a little bit about as well why you've expanded and updated it and some of the yeah. things even with COVID that you've included. Well, the first edition was uh, published, released in 2012, okay. and that came as a result of my good friend Warren Bird at uh, Leadership Network at the time, vice president there, uh, called me in around um, 2009 and said, Jim, are you seeing a lot of church mergers in your multi-site church consulting? And I said, I am. And I, he replied and said, so are we at Leadership Network and uh, we ought to write a book about it because God is doing something new. It's a different kind of merger we're seeing. And so uh, I agreed, and several, three years later, we released the first edition of Better Together, Making Church Mergers Work. And what we discovered yeah. in that first book, 
Uh, these were a different kind of mergers than the old failed mergers of the past that were more survival driven. These were more mission driven mergers. And the main catalyst or primary catalyst for these kind of new mergers was the multi-site church movement, which, okay. um, uh, and the primary beneficiary of mergers was multi-site churches. Back then, eight years ago, uh, 30% of all multi-site campuses had come as a result of a merger uh, with okay. another church joining them. Fast forward, uh, we just did another survey of nearly a thousand churches for this book, for this edition. And uh, that number has climbed to 40% of multi-site campuses have come via, by way of a, a merger. Now, uh, our publisher came to us la uh, last year and said, Jim, uh, Warren, uh, your book is a strong selling book. Uh, we'd like to make it in paperback to make it even more accessible. We think it's a, um, uh, it would be more, even more, more useful. Would you be okay with us doing that? And we said on one, okay, on one condition, if yeah. you would allow us to update it and, and expand it. Yeah. And they said, that'd be fantastic. And so that was last fall uh, when they asked us to do that. And we were targeting this fall, 2020, to release it. Had no idea, of course, of COVID and all that. But yeah. everything that we, uh, we finished it right when COVID you know, broke loose, we were able to write about COVID in our book and how its impact on mergers. It only reinforced everything that we were seeing, a, a growing trend since uh, our first book. More mergers are happening certainly with multi-site churches, but we're also seeing a lot of other applications of mergers uh, it, uh, as well. And yeah. and now with the COVID and the uh, the impact that's having on churches, this is only accelerating what we were seeing before COVID. Yeah. I love, by the way, Jim, I love the forward in the book from Craig Grishel and the story that he tells of how they went multi-site through a church reaching out to him in Tulsa asking him to come and pastor their church. And finally, after multiple times being asked, he said, hey, listen, the only way this thing will work is if your church becomes a part of Life Church and becomes a campus. And that started their multi-site movement yeah. for Life Church. And they now have 35 locations plus online and, and a number of, I know a number of their locations, not all 35 of those are ones that they launched, a large percentage of those are ones that they've acquired through church mergers. Yep. So, their very first, yeah. you know, multi-site, their second campus came by yes. uh, through a merger. Yeah. And by the way, that 35th uh, location they just opened up was right here in Colorado Springs. Colorado Springs, <laughs> yes, yeah. And I went no. to the grand opening and they yeah. started with one, with offering one service and they went immediately to two. Two, yeah, yeah, uh, so the, good. The first weekend. Yeah, I love that. Well, listen, Jim, I've got a number of questions and, and I'm, want you to share uh, some resources as well that we're going to give uh, away to people that are on the webinar today. But I know that those that are watching the webinar, um, I see a number of people on there. Thanks, Dan, uh, for telling us where you're watching from and for Gordon and Joseph and Joe and others. Thanks for uh, chiming in uh, on where you're watching from. If you haven't done so already, we'd love it if you would just put your name, location, where you're at, and the name of the church that you're affiliated with. That would be awesome. The other thing I'd love you to do in the chats, this is super important because although I've got some questions that I want to ask Jim, I am actually more interested in you guys that are watching the webinar, asking the questions that are specific to your context, what you're dealing with right now. So if you would do me a favor, put your question for Jim in the chat. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to select a few people to actually join us 
as a panelist in the webinar and have you ask your question directly to Jim. So if you've got something, a burning question about multi-site or about church merger that you're dealing with, maybe you're considering it, or maybe you're going through a merger right now, or maybe you're on the other side, you've already merged. What's the burning question that you have on your mind right now um, that you'd like to ask Jim? But to get us started, Jim, while people are putting that into the chat, here's what I would love to do. I would love for you to share with us who are the candidates for a church merger? Who are the type, what's the type of church that's a prime candidate for considering a church merger? Well, that's a great place to start, um, Jason. And I would say that um, in, in the U.S., and I don't know what the numbers are in U.K., I mean, in the, I saw talking to the U.K. last week, in Australia, yeah, yeah. In Australia um, yeah. that there's, a, there's around 320,000 Protestant churches across the U.S. Mm -hmm. uh, the average size of a church in America, so many will be surprised by this, is around 75 people in attendance. Yeah. Now, um, I put all of those um, churches into three categories. Uh, the first one would be those who are in the struggling category. Okay. And, um, and at the Unstuck Group, which is our church consulting group that I'm a part of, we've actually developed uh, a tool uh, and, and really broken down the life cycles, uh, the, the seven stages of the life cycle of a church. And I have found that this, these seven stages apply to any church anywhere in the world. Yeah. And we actually have a free assessment tool on our website that uh, you can go and take a test, a self-assessment, and, and see where your church is, what stage is in its life cycle. But, yeah. we've, uh, but I, and we'll, I will walk through those seven stages in a moment, but I put all of these churches um, into three categories. Struggling is, is clearly the primary uh, or the pr uh, prime candidate for a church merger, a struggling church. About 25% in, in America are struggling. That is, they're in life support or preservation mode. Yeah. And uh, they were vulnerable before COVID, and COVID has only made them more um, vulnerable as a, as a result. And so they are clearly a good candidate for, for merging. As a matter of fact, in our survey that we did up in nearly 1,000 churches last fall, that the, um, the majority of merges are initiated, of church merges are initiated by a struggling church, not the strong growing church. Right. Now, um, and you know, they're either struggling for one or two reasons. Either they're financially in trouble, they're not able to meet, uh, make their, you know, obli financial obligations, their, their income is down, their attendance is down. And so they're clearly in survival mode. Now, uh, many other churches, though, they're not necessarily financially in trouble, but they have, they've, they have mission drift. They've lost their way of learning how to minister in the 21st century, how to make disciples, how to engage the culture today. And so they recognize if we stay on this path, we're going to go out of business. And so they, struggling churches are clearly a good candidates for a merger. But they're also, in, a, in the U.S., there's about 60% of the churches that are in maintenance mode. I call those, they're stuck. And um, uh, status quo. Now, many of them don't even know or realize they're stuck, and others are okay being stuck. But... Uh, Many of these stuck churches, uh, which is really the majority of the churches in the U.S., um, they, uh, they may be without a pastor or, they, or a pastor who's ready to retire. And, uh, and these churches are finding that a merger can be a vehicle for revitalization and to get unstuck. And yeah. so, um, so that's another candidate for, for mergers. But there's also the, what I call the strong churches, and that represents about 15% of the churches in the U.S., that uh, they, um, 
they're mission driven. They, they're clear about their vision. They have a discipleship pathway. They, uh, um, they, uh, um, God's favor has been on them and they're reaching people and they're making disciples who make disciples. Uh, and, they, and they're growing. And so many of those churches are looking for additional campuses, facilities, or space. Uh, they're looking to help other churches uh, become healthy in their community because they care about them. Uh, there are many times there are church planters that, you know, they're experiencing an explosive growth and they're in a rented, rented building and they're looking for a permanent facility. Uh, or they're a multi-site church that's looking for more locations. And so these are, these are also good candidates for for a merger. So the question is, who's a good candidate for, for a church merger? All churches are, but for different reasons. Yeah. Okay. No, that's fantastic. I've got a, um, a couple of people that are uh, throwing questions into the chat and sure. we'll get to those in just a moment. Um, what about this, these, these life cycles that you mentioned before yeah. you were talking about the candidates and you said that the unstuck group, you guys have actually developed a tool and you said that churches can go online and take the assessment to find out where it's, they're it's at. A, it's a free assessment. We've had over yeah. 15,000 churches do this in the U.S. Yeah. And, and beyond yeah. the U.S. as well. Okay. And so it, this would be a great place. For, for, I think every church ought to just, where are just we the, on the life cycle? Yeah. And, um, um, and this will help understand what, what would be our next step or what, yeah. that we should be taking. So walk and us so through, can, mm -hmm. Jim, walk us through the life cycle. I'm going to bring that up on the screen yeah. so that people can see that. But if you'd walk us through yeah. it, that'd be well, super Well, obviously helpful. the first stage is, is the startup growth, launch, launch growth. Yep. And for those uh, new church startups that have the good benefit of breaking out of 100, very few churches get beyond 200 in, in the U.S. And, yep. and I find that if you don't break past 200 in the U.S. Uh, within a couple of years, you probably won't. In terms of yeah. 200 people, total people in attendance, adults and children yes. and all. Yes. Uh, and usually either, uh, there needs a new, needs a new leader, uh, typically, to get them to the next place. But those churches that, that are fortunate to break out of the 200 barrier, uh, they, experience, they experience that momentum growth. And you can yes. see the percentages. And this just breaks down from all those who've taken the assessment with us. Yeah. Uh, and th those churches that momentum growth and uh, your, your church had that in, in Colorado Springs and then and then, but many churches are growing out of momentum because of the gifting on their team. You know, God is blessing them. They don't even really know what they're doing right. They're just, they're doing, which, they're, they're working out of their gifting, you know. Well, which Jim, that was something that we paid a lot of attention to when I was leading that church was mm -hmm. we, we would say oftentimes, hey guys, if we don't know why we're experiencing growth, then it's really going to be hard to protect those things that we're doing if we don't know yeah. what they are. So I think that's an important thing to pay attention to. If you are growing, why are we growing? What are we seeing God do? How is he breathing yes. life into this place? So that's a great point. Go well, ahead. And, and that's the right question to get to the third stage. And that is, all right, what is God blessing? What are we doing right? Uh, let's capture that and make sure that we don't lose that and that we build on that and that we, you know, um, continue in that path and our, of what's what God is giving favor to us you yeah. know how we're doing ministry here and so we get that strategic growth and we begin to standardize and and, and say let's stay, stay true to those things and then uh, the goal for every church is to get to that sustained health where we're healthy uh, not not every uh, year is a growing year necessarily but it's it's but are we healthy and you can yeah. see one percent of churches are in that in category that mode 
Yeah. And so yeah. where it's sustained health, that's a hard place to stay. Now, uh, you know, all, everything to the left of that bell graph there is, is positive and healthy. And uh, that's in that uh, 15% of growing churches that, um, that, uh, to, that could be a lead church in a merger. But then, yeah. you know, churches tend to begin to slip down the, the other, to the right side of the bell graph. And uh, many times they don't realize that until they're already gotten way down the graph. But about, you know, 60% are in the maintenance mode. And that's probably true. I suspect these is reflective of even the, the church across Australia I, as well. I would say, Jim, I would say, Jim, that what you're describing, some of these numbers that you're describing um, are probably going to be a little bit, unfortunately, a little bit less in Australia as far as like churches that break the 200 barrier um, or don't break it in the first few years. That, that barrier is probably going to be about 100, 150 in Australia. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When you look at these percentages, I would say that 15% growing would be a very generous uh, percentage for Australian churches, just to be you know, transparent and honest. Well, we, we should start tracking with the Australian yes. assessments. Yeah, and yeah. see where this goes. And, so, And, you know, we do have some great friends at the McCrindle Group. Yes. Um, I've mentioned those guys to you before. Um, Jim, Mark, and his team do a fantastic job of, of collecting data and making it available to us. Mm-hmm. So I know that those numbers are out there. Yeah. In maintenance mode, you know, there's not necessarily a financial issue. Many times that's the that's what keeps churches thinking, hey, we're doing fine or we're paying our bills. You know, we have yeah. a steady, solid group of people that are staying with us. But if you're not really growing, uh, then you're losing ground and just don't realize it. Mm-hmm. But then uh, other churches, as they go down that side, they move from maintenance mode to now we're in preservation. We're just trying to hold, you know, we're... Um, it, that's it's, it's, it's the slippery slope is going further down yeah, yeah. and then life support where really um, we're not far away from going out of business in those last yeah. two categories. And so that's everybody, every church finds itself in one of those places. Now the good news is, well, the, the good news is uh, in church world, just like in <laughs> spiritual world, you can have a rebirth. You can have a yes. new chapter, a second start. Now yes. a really sad statistic that just came out from the Barna group here in, in the States uh, David Kinnaman, the president, just said last week uh, here in August, uh, the month of August, that um, one out of five churches in North America or in the U.S. will uh, are in danger of going out of business in the next 18 months. That's yeah. And that's congruent with, with our chart. That's about 20% of all the churches in the U.S. That's yeah. over 60,000 churches, Jason. Yeah. But uh, there is a, you don't have to go out of business. Uh, you can have a second life through a merger. A merger is better than than um, death <laughs> and um, the end. And I, we like to tell churches, you know, if you stay on this path, especially in that last 25% of preservation life support, uh, you're going to go out of business. Yeah. And your story will be over. But uh, but if you uh, you have a chance to choose your destiny and not have it chosen for you, you could choose to, to throw your lot to join with the vibrant church, prevailing church that's in your community or in your region and have your chapter will, be, will end, but your story will continue on. Yeah. And so that's a better outcome than just becoming a pub or yeah, uh, a restaurant or, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hey, Jim, I want to bring in uh, one of our attendees, uh, Michael from Perth. Um, I'm going to see if he's available to... Uh, join us as a panelist. We're getting a few questions 
around um, what I would call questions around stages of a merger and, um, and also not just uh, stages of a merger, but also the timeline of a merger. Like what would you, uh, yeah. what would you suggest as far as timelines are concerned? Michael, I think uh, we'll, I think you're muted right now, but you're, you're live with us. Now you're on audio wise, man, Michael, first of all, thanks for being a part of the webinar. So good to see your face, mate. Uh, Michael is executive pastor at a church in Perth called the rocks. And Michael, I'll let you ask your question and maybe even give some context to it because you guys are right in the midst of acquiring a campus or merging a church and, and going through that. So go for it. Well, thank you so much for uh, having us, and this is very helpful for churches in Australia. Our church um, have been have been around for about fifteen years, and then this year um, we had about three gatherings before COVID, and um, maybe about total about what eight hundred fifty adults and maybe about one hundred fifty kids, so about a thousand people. And then by the grace of God, this early this year, um, a church about 40 kilometers uh, down south of our location uh, is, has been praying and, and decided to, to join together with the Rocks uh, Cannington and now also Bonavis. And then uh, so we officially, they officially become the Rocks on the 1st of July 2020. So now it's almost okay. uh, two months already. Two months. So it's, so it's happened. Yeah, it has happened. <laughs> and then uh, our church, fortunately, we can go back to meet in physically uh, starting from June, first week of June. So WA, Western Australia, uh, we have no new transmission in COVID. So everything can go back almost to normal uh, starting from June. So now we've been meeting for the past two, two months in person. So, and uh, so the past four weeks, we have been having a gathering as the Rocks Ball Davis. And my question would be, what would be a typical timeline for alignment? So I guess um, we would like to get as many people on board with the mission strategy and vision. And uh, at the same time, we need to make sure that uh, the campus in Cannington also being healthy and keep producing good leaders and what are the strategies for alignment and also maybe the timeline, the typical timeline yeah. of a church merge? Well, it's a great question. And we've asked that question in our surveys and our experience has been that um, uh, how long does it take to make that full integration? We talk about the three stages in the, in the integration phase, the last phase, you know, where you're at now, which we call now is the, the marriage has begun, so to speak, is to, sta to stabilize. Now, let me ask, so this is a multi-site campus, Michael, that you, that uh, is, that's become a multi-site campus for you, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the, the first stage is to stabilize. Uh, if, if it was in decline, let's stabilize it and stop the downward flow financially and, and attendance wise. Maybe that was, maybe that was an issue, maybe not. But stabilization is the first phase. In the, in the integration, the second stage is growth. All right now, let's start growing that location, uh, adding the services, seeing more people come, um, and making an impact in the community. And then the third phase to multiply. Do, can we birth another uh, campus or congregation out of that one? So those are the three phases, but of, of, the, of the three 
steps in the integration stage. Let me back up though, Michael, and say I think the key to integration is is all the work you do before the merger is finalized. And all that, by the way, in our surveys and our experience is the average length of time in this whole five stages or the four stages in the fifth stages, you know, ongoing up to the time of the merger approved from the initial conversation to the final approval. And then we're doing it as eight months. Uh, it's been our experience and, and it's from our surveys. Now, I think it's very important in the merger conversation that you establish upfront two things. Very important. It, it, it'll save you, churches, a lot of headaches and misunderstandings down the road. The first thing, conversation that uh, needs to happen is determining who is defining the relationship. That is, every merger is like a slow dance where um, um, one leads and the other follows. You can't have two leads and you can't have two follows in a, in a merger, in a dance, uh, to be a, a successful dance, and the same in a merger. Uh, you have to determine who's the lead church and who's the follow church now, um, or who's the joining church. The, um, uh, the lead church is really the church that, that is going to be the primary culture, the mission, the vision, the DNA that the joining church is being absorbed into or integrated uh, under uh, uh, the lead church. And so it's very important up front who's the lead and who's the follow. Now, the second thing that's very important is to determine what kind of merger we have. Now, uh, we'll come back to those questions in a moment, uh, Yeah, uh, Jason. But um, um, we've identified in our book four kinds of mer mergers or four models. Uh, and all mergers fall into one of these categories. Not all, not all mergers are the same. Uh, is this a rebirth merger, which is what the primary mergers are, the majority of mergers are tend to be a rebirth. And that's more like a church, a joining church that's being fully absorbed into the lead church. Uh, they don't really bring anything beyond their, their uh, passion as individuals and you know, heart for God. And uh, they bring their lives. They maybe bring a building but they don't have programs or staff or um, things that you're going to incorporate into your church because they're, they're obsolete or they're just not that, uh, you know, needed in your church. But the, the greatest asset of any merger are the people that come with the merger. Maybe they bring a building with them as well. But uh, that's a full rebirth where they uh, give up everything and they get an exchange life. And so, um, uh, the next kind of merger is, is, is what we call an adoption merger, which is more like an integration. That is, they bring their, their lives, they bring maybe a facility, uh, but they also bring maybe some programs, some ministries, some things that they're doing that the lead church says, you know what, we really like what you're doing. We really like to integrate that into our, you know, who we are as a church and make that a part of our church. And so, um, and so, Variations here, but uh, adoption is another kind of merger. Uh, then there's what we call a marriage merger, which is a very rare merger where it kind of implies e equality, like a marriage, like two people coming together. They're bringing their their best, their, the good and the bad, and they're like, let's create something new together. There's very few marriage mergers um, where they're truly equal and just say, let's, let's create something new together. But even in those marriage mergers, there's usually one that leads and one that follows. There's usually there are different stages in their life cycle, healthy, but in different stages. Um, uh, then the last kind is the IC, what we call ICU stands for um, 
intensive care unit. Do you call that? That's what you call it yeah. in Australia. Yep. Yep. I see you. Yep. <laughs> and, we know uh, that lingo. And, and really those were the kind of mergers of the past, which nobody really welcomed or embraced with enthusiasm. They really typically are two declining churches that are both in survival mode, trying to survive at the expense of the other. Uh, and like an ICU, it's kind of the last stop before we die. And hopefully we could survive like two drowning men in a, in a lake or ocean, they're trying to survive at the expense of the other. Now, all that, uh, you know, um, depending on the clarity that every the two churches have going into this conversation, the less conflict they're going to have on the other side of the, of the merger. So I don't know how you would describe your, what your experience. Was it an, a rebirth or an adoption? Um, maybe right now more into rebirth. Yeah. But also there are a few programs that we actually, for example, the, yeah. the kids summer camp that we're going to have this coming uh, summer. We don't have it in our Cannington campus, but because for the past few years, uh, it's been successful back in Maldives. So that's the one that we are going to do as well this coming summer. So uh, it's more towards the rebirth, but there are a few. Yeah. That we... a, a lot of churches don't see themselves as a rebirth, although they really are. Okay. And sometimes uh, uh, the adoption language is a little softer, perhaps, when okay. they're explaining yeah. this to their church uh, congregations. You know, Jason, we also talked about the five stages here. I think um, um, it might be helpful to bring that uh, up. Yeah. Walk, walk, through, walk yeah. through that again as well, because I think this we've really broken down this whole merger conversation into five stages. And, and we use this, the, the analogy here of human relationships. Uh, the first stage being the exploration where it's like, it's like dating. You know, when you're meeting somebody, you're asking the question, I wonder if this is a potential partner. And so we, um, uh, you had those and questions Jim, up a moment. Uh -huh. Jim, you have, you have those three questions that yes. we had up just a second ago, which are initial questions but you have in your book 25 key questions or key things to sort through. Yeah. And that really saves the pain later on, almost like premarital counseling in a sense, as I like to describe it. It's like premarital counseling for churches to go through these 25 key questions or things to sort out so that you don't run into that pain later on down the well, road. Well, in the exploration stage, that's the dance. And that's where you're defining yeah. who's the lead and who's the follow. That's yep. the first issue. Then you go, you go like in dating when it becomes more from it, it goes moving from dating to this is a potential partner. Um, it moves into courtship. So the, it's a negotiation stage. And in that stage, we've identified 25 distinct issues that you just mentioned. We have it in our book. Every merger has, to, has these 25 issues. Every merger has to address them. Most of these issues are are benign, they're not deal breakers, but there's usually four or five that are very crucial to whether the merger can come to pass or not. And yeah. each church, the lead church issues will be different than the joining church's issues. But there in that negotiation stage, that courtship stage is when we're really asking the question, the first question then stage one is, is this possible? Yes. Stage two is, oh, it's nice, it's possible, but is it really feasible? Uh, is it really, are we, are we compatible enough to really join together? That's what you're wrestling through on stage two, their negotiation. And as you work through those 25 issues, typically the two pastors and the two boards or the two leadership teams, that's, they do that hard work of working through those 25 issues. In our book, we've given you the template. Also, we've given you a couple of examples of how churches have addressed those issues. But then if you work through those and you agree, you know what? 
we are not only is it possible, it's feasible. We we can agree on these things. We can we 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 can move forward. This we we could do this, and now we're ready to declare to our churches. We think God is leading us to join together. Uh, and we it's like an engagement. Do you do you call it engagement in in Australia yeah. when yep. when you yep. announce we want we're going to get married and there's a date, you know and um, and so that's an, that's the, and it's all about communication there. That's the issue there that it's very important to over communicate to the two congregations. We've been meeting, we've been praying, we've been working through the issues and we believe God is leading us to join together. And now we want to roll. And then you roll out, uh, an FAQ, a frequently asked questions document, maybe about, t- there's about 10 questions that every church merger, every church member has on their mind. Why are we doing this? How did it come about? Who will be our pastor? What will be our church name? What will happen to our building? Um, uh, <laughs> Michael, you know, Michael, right now is going. Oh yeah, we have. Those are frequently asked questions. You've had those I mean, questions, right, Michael? Michael's going. Yeah. I've answered those questions for two hundred people for the last three months. Now, I know it's exactly. very important. <laughs> it's very important in this declaration stage to over communicate and to con- yeah. to be clear, to be concise, and to be consistent at both churches. You know, we're saying the same thing. In, in unity with uh, to yeah. both congregations, uh, we're, we're, and we're trying to preempt as many questions as possible by having already addressed these and and rolling out having a lot of meetings, town halls, uh, etc. That's that communication stage, stage three declaration. Then uh, that's leading up to the consolidation, the actual wedding, what we call the wedding. It's where the two churches vote, or at least the joining church votes. Uh, Michael, did your church have to, your, as the lead church, did your church vote? to? Uh, we, we just need to put it into our AGM, which we did. Um, so it was a, like a report into our AGM that we will go through this process. But the joining church, uh, Baldivis, they did have a special general meeting, and then, and then they officially closed the organization and then rejoined yeah. I, 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 um, many church, many congregations would require a congregational vote to approve yes, joining they, another church. And, you know, there's, there's buildings, there's assets, there's property. Uh, you know, there's a lot that goes with that and they're, they have to give them a chance to, uh, approve that. Some churches don't, uh, the congregation doesn't get to approve that. It's a board decision or even a dominational decision or network decision. But I recommend even when the congregation doesn't have the authority to f- do the final approval, you should give them the opportunity to affirm what the, the, the leadership have decided, have recommended, or have, have approved, um, to give them a chance to affirm that, and not for their permission, but for their ownership, and give them a chance to ask their questions and all that sort of thing. Find that I love very that helpful. advice, Jim. I love that advice, just to give, even if it's not in your constitution required, but to mm-hmm. give people the chance to affirm it, I think that's such a powerful step of, of yeah. providing ownership. That's so good. And then we start where we started with you a few moments ago, Michael. The fifth stage is really the ongoing stage now of marriage, and we and the goal there is to stabilize, grow, and and multiply, just like a family would. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Michael, I um, dude, thank you so much for jumping in, um, hey. so that you don't have to. Uh, Feel like everyone's staring at you for the rest of the <laughs> webinar. I'm going to kick you back out to attendee, but Thank I hope you. that that was that was helpful for helpful. you. And just so you know, as well, we're going to be providing all the resources I've been bringing up on the screen. We're going to get those out to everyone, and um, I even have a copy of Jim's book that I'm going to give away 
um, to some lucky winner. So we'll get I just happened to have a, 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 wow. coffee. <laughs> a picture of it. Is it available? Hey, um, oh, we just, it is available. Sorry, we just lost uh, Michael. Yeah. And I think he was about to ask, is it available? Um, the answer is yes, it's available on uh, Amazon. You can pick it up on Amazon. That's actually how I got my copy. Thanks to Jim uh, sending me one through Amazon. So you can grab that. And uh, even here in Australia, it took us, I think it only took a couple of days to get here. So I've got, uh, Jim, I've got Dan Sweetman, who's here in uh, Queensland. He's actually just around the corner um, from where I'm at. And he has a question. Um, this is somebody that's on the other end of the merger process to what Michael and the team in, in Perth are talking about. Dan, you're just having some initial conversations right now. Um, and you've got some questions around a few churches. I'd love for you to just ask Jim, give some context, Dan, where you're at, who, you know, what church are you leading? And then uh, give Jim the question that you had. Thanks, mate. Yeah. Um, we, I hope no one sees this from my church because I have no idea. Any of this. <laughs> we'll, keep, we'll keep it. We'll keep it under wraps. Including my stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah. But um, we're, I, I'm a pastor of a, um, a church, probably small church, probably medium-sized church in Australia, but definitely small church for uh, yeah. the U.S., of about maybe 300, 400 people. Um, and we, there's another church that's um, down the road from us about kind of 20 kilometers away. I don't know what that is in miles. Um, it's about 12, 15 miles. Yep. Yeah. And there's another church that's maybe more like 60 miles north. Um, and we've just had one email chain really just talking about how we're very similar we're both in a healthy stage, probably, but, but I wouldn't say a fast-growing stage. Um, we both, my, my church is only a church plant. We've only been around 10 years. Mm -hmm. The other two have been around for more like 30, 40 mm -hmm. years. Um, and we're just, two of us actually already have the same name, weirdly, and we're, and we're all Baptist churches. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we were just talking. And we're thinking, is there a benefit to talking about a partnership? Is there a benefit to talking about a merger? Um, there seemed to be a little bit of excitement about it. And I'm just wondering, like, it's a, it's a lot of work when we're all doing okay. So, um, Jim, someone like you, like, you know, the, the legend, uh, <laughs> what would you say, like, I get, I looked at all your diagrams you're putting up and I'm just thinking, oh, it's a lot of work and I'm, we're doing fine. Do we need to do this? What's the benefits really is, is, is my question. Why should we, why should we, or why shouldn't we even consider this? It's a great question, Dan. And I, I, we have developed four diagnostic questions for churches that are exploring the possibility of joining together. Uh, and I think when I hear about two churches that really uh, we're doing okay, but um, you know, the title of our book is, but could, could we be better together? Mm -hmm. uh, we're, in a lot of ways is, is the most fun kind of mergers because you're really, you're both bringing a lot of strength to the table. You're not desperate and you're not once in, in you know, survival mode uh, that we, uh, we really could do something even better together. So we have four questions to help answer that question. The first question would be, would, would my congregation, you know, your individual congregation, would my congregation be better by merging with this other one rather than remaining separate? The first question, would, we, would my local congregation be better by joining. The second question would be, could we accomplish more together uh, than we could separately? 
and that's the whole synergy, you know, could we, one, one author, one pastor in our book said, you know, when we joined, it was one plus one equals three is the synergy, you know, of, of you know, the, the sum total is better than the individual parts. But he said, you know, one plus one in our case equaled 10. It was just off the yeah. chart how much better we were in the synergy that we created by joining together, bringing our streaks together. The why? third question. Why, why, like, what is it about it? Sorry to interrupt you. Jim. Yeah. Nice. That's good. Well, it's kind of like what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes when he said two are better than one because they have a, a better a reward for their labor. Um, it's just the power of, and my team, we like to say, uh, when we're making a big decision, an important decision, wrestling with a decision, none of us is as smart as all of us. And then collectively, uh, we we land on the best, you know, the best idea wins, you know. But I think it's, it's just a matter of, um, it's a lot of ways like um, a single parent versus a, a, a two-parent family. Um, there's more strength, more synergy. When it's right, when it's mm. right, when it's, um, when it's not right, then... That's not good. But I think a third question would be, would uh, our community, our community, the community that we are part of, would it be better served if we joined together? And, um, and then lastly, the, I think the, really the most important one, could the kingdom of God be further enlarged by joining together? So I have to, you have to ask those questions. Now, there have been times when I've asked those questions with some churches. In my opinion, would be I don't think you'd be better served, better off <laughs> joining with this church. It's going to be too contentious. Um, there's, there's not a sense of God is bringing us together. Uh, one church is more about saving a building versus, you know, making more disciples. I mean, all kinds of things. But maybe it's not going to be good for, for one or, or both. But, um, but if you can answer yes to any one of those four questions or or more, uh, there's a good chance it's worth exploring the possibility. Okay. Dan, is that helpful? Do you, you have mm -hmm. a follow-up question to that, that you're like, talk to me about like, what are some key, like immediately my thought comes to mind of what are some examples of being better together that you might, you know, explore possibly? Yeah. Yeah. I guess my question, and this is very practical, but is yeah, kind of what you're saying, Jason, like, is it the like is it the back end systems are better because they're yeah. all just one systems managing them all? Is it that you know their children's ministry can be better because they can buy things on a bigger scale? Um, I'm just because I'm such a such an early stage, literally just I don't know on your diagram, we're just dating or we're we're not even dating yet, we're just kind of <laughs> flirting. <laughs> you, you slid into their DMs. Yeah, you yeah. Just yeah. slid into their DMs. That's yeah, it. that's all that's going on. You right. know, two two pastors might you know, one might be I'm I love preaching, I'm really weak on organizational leadership. Mm. The other like, you know, being a being that organizational leader is more life giving to me than having to prepare a message every week. Uh, that's but just the, the two of you. Sets, it's a gifting yeah. thing. Is the gifting complementing or is it clashing? If you both got to be this pre the only preacher, then, you know, that's probably not going to be a good fit. But if, if there's a complementary roles there, uh, but to you, you mentioned some others, uh, they may be really, the other church might be really good in one area of ministry, like children, and it's an area of weakness mm -hmm. for us. Or um, Yeah, okay, yeah. So, I mean, that's where you have to, is it, do we really uh, have synergy by joining together? And, and could our impact be greater in our broader community, uh, greater yeah. and stronger? Yeah, that's a, good, Dan, that's a great question. That's a good way of looking at it. 
Dan, thanks for asking your question. If we ever put this out publicly, we'll blur out your face and change <laughs> all the names of the, uh, of the, the churches so and everything. <laughs> I, I would say, let me add something else to Dan. Uh, yeah. A lot of churches, especially that where God is blessing, uh, you know, t- only 25% of the churches in America are, are healthy growing, but that's still not a small number. And, and I just believe the churches that God is giving favor to that, uh, they have an opportunity to really help strengthen the body of Christ. And, um, and yeah, there's some effort. There's some relational work that you have to do. Uh, there's some expense that's going to be uh, done. If, if, if God is, if you're a strong church, um, should you consider helping um, other churches be healthy uh, by the vehicle of a merger? When we asked the question of a thousand churches last year, why did you merge? The strong churches said two reasons. Why did you even enter, enter merging? One was the, the slightly uh, higher percentage was we wanted to help revitalize other churches in our community. That, and just right under almost equal was we wanted to reach more people. Mm. We could reach more people by merging. And yeah, so yeah. now when we asked the joining churches, the same thing, they said two reasons. Uh, financial survival, we weren't going to make it. And so we were, we were, it was survival for us. But others said it wasn't financial. We just, we didn't know how to reach people today. We lost our way. Uh, the church we joined with knew how to make disciples, was effective in it, was reaching the next generation. We wanted to be able to do that, but we didn't know how to do that. So it was more a missional uh, reason or a financial reason. Mm. No, it's good. And if you Dan, say, is that helpful? And while I have one more question, Jason. Oh, yeah, one more question. Mate. I'll, Sorry. I'll charge. I'm going to have to charge you more, but that's okay. You go ahead. Put it on my voice. Yeah. The, the, um, sure, I understand. That was Siri. Okay. <laughs> um, the marriage thing that you said, you talked about how they're very rare because um, you do need a church to lead. At the moment, I'm talking with me and then two other pastors, and it's very initial, It's very early, but um, there's not a clear... There's one church that's a lot bigger than the rest, probably double the size. Um, they are a little bit older. Um, you, you have to just... You have to have a leader, don't you? You've got to have one. Well, yes. I mean, you have to unite around a common vi- mission and vision. If, if all, th- all three are not happy with that, then you have a chance to come together. And could, we do, could we create something new together? Mm-hmm. Uh, and actually, three churches, is, a lot of ways, is easier than two because uh, um, it's important. We all recognize we have to change if, we're gonna, if three churches are going to come together. Now, if among the three, there's clearly one, it's not about size. It's more about, it's about health. Mm. Of the three, who's the healthiest? Who's got the clearest uh, picture, vision for a mission, clearest mission, clearest vision, clearest strategy? Who has a, a clear pathway for discipleship? That is, this is our, if nobody has that, this is a chance for all three of you to come together and let's create it together. Yeah. Uh, but if, if there's one that is... Uh, leading the way in in that, then um, that probably is what you ought to unite around. But the kind of mergers that, that, that succeed, that have good outcomes, where there's unity around a common mission, vision, and strategy. Good. Yeah. Thanks so much. Good. Thanks, guys.
Thank you. Dan. Thanks, uh, Dan. Thanks for being willing to jump in and, and ask your question. I just dropped into the chats there. Um, if anybody else has any other questions, um, I'd love to be able to direct them to Jim while we're waiting to see if anyone else has questions, Jim. Are there any other things that you feel like, I feel like we've covered quite a bit. I know I mm -hmm. feel like we've covered the things that, that you and I had chatted about, you know, stages of a merger, yep. the best candidates, the life cycle. I love the analogy of the slow dance, like having a leader, having the follower. Um, I know one of the people that's on the webinar today, Gordon uh, Bassett, um, is actually with the church that merged with Michael's church. So he was the lead pastor and campus pastor at that church. And man, just you've talked, Jim, and I'm going to ask this question. You've talked about what is the posture of that joining church look like? I actually think Gordon could probably write a white paper on hmm. how to be that joining church pastor, uh, humility and all those kinds of things. So what, uh, what would you say to that, those leaders? Well, one of the, th the things we also found from our surveys is that uh, 79% of the joining church members stay with the, with the merge on the yeah. other side. The majority of the people stay in the merger. Um, uh, I sh and the same for the, for the pastor, the joining church pastor, the vast majority, 80%, um, stay on board with the merged church. Usually, if it's a multi-site campus, they don't usually stay in, as that pastor at that location, but they usually serve in some other location or some other uh, role within the merged church. And so, um, we uh, sometimes people ask me, "Well, what is a um, successful merger?" You know, mm. and um, and for me, success is defined not necessarily a hundred percent everyone retaining everybody on the staff or in the church family or attendees, but it's, but those who do stay with you have a hundred percent commitment to the new mission, the vision, the new strategy, the new vision of the church. Um, for me, success is, is there a vibrant congregation there now that didn't exist before? It may be less people that was started, you know, that originally, if they land in some other church, that's fine. But, um, and so to me, that's what we're seeing happen across the, across the U.S. Uh, we have a lot of declining churches that are being lost, um, their property, et cetera, and to kingdom purposes. And this is, a, this is a vehicle. It's becoming an option in the church's toolbox, a viable option yeah. for you know, struggling, stuck, and strong churches. And I think this, that's the good news. This is something in our book, we just made the point, it's an option to consider um, it's not a lose-lose or a win-lose. It can be a win-win um, tool, solution for local churches. Yeah, absolutely. Jim, I would love it if you would answer two questions for me. First uh -huh. question, how can people connect with you? What are, what's the best place that they can connect with you? And then the second, the second question is, how do you get a hold of this resource and other resources that you would recommend? Like I would love, I know that there are other resources that you love to recommend as well. Well, the easiest way to reach me is through my email is jim at um, the unstuckgroup.com. The yep. unstuckgroup.com. I think one of the chat. best things to, I think uh, whether you're thinking of merge or not, I think every church ought to take our assessment that's on the unstuckgroup.com website. Uh, just take that free assessment just to get a sense of, of where you, what stage you're 
in, in your life cycle as a church. You know, um, reality is our friend, facts are our friends. And uh, when we have clarity about where we are, uh, it will help us to know what our next steps would be. You know, every church leader, every leader of any organization, but certainly a church, um, uh, our primary role as a, as a pastor, as a leader of a church is to, first of all, define reality. Where are we now? What's the good and bad and the ugly of our situation? Uh, but more importantly, where do we want to go? Where, where do we believe God is leading us as a church? Yeah. And then as a, as, a, as a leader is to figure out, okay, here's where we are now. Here's where we want to go. Figure out how do we get there. And then once you figure out how to get where you want to go, then the call to your congregation is, now follow me, church, as we follow Christ together. And so I think um, uh, that to me would be the challenge and, and invitation to uh, get a true assessment of where you're at and um, uh, get... <laughs> By the book, if a, if a merger is, is in your future, uh, this will help you discern whether it's even something we should be considering. If, if yeah. another church approaches you or you approach a church about it, read the book together and to see if, if, this, if God says something to you about that. We talk about the three R's for the lead church uh, pastor. Uh, how do you be a church merger-friendly f- uh, church leader? Uh, first R is relationships. The best merger outcomes come out of the soil of a relationship with other pastors, other churches. And so um, as we get to know each other um, and the possibility of of merging um, can be discussed out of relationship. The second R is resource. If you are a lead church and God has blessed you and you're growing and you've got some resources, help the other churches in your community. Yeah. We saw a lot of that here in the U S with some of the strong churches that when COVID hit, put out the, the, the appeal or the invitation to churches in their community. We did this in Miami. Uh, hey, if you need help on recording your messages, we have a studio in our church. If you need help on teaching people how to give online, we'll help you with that. With that. Uh, and so a lot of that was happening. And, and out of that comes friendships and trust. And then the third R is risk. Take the risk to make the ask. Ask another uh, pastor in your community that you have a relationship with, that you've been partnering with in projects in your community, hey, would it be worth considering us joining together? Yeah, yeah. You'd like to join us. Could we, uh, could we really be better together and better serving yeah. our community together? Yeah, no, that's good. Oh, Jason, that was so rich. Well done for getting that conversation going with Jim. Um, thank you for the privilege of letting us uh, dive in and listen to that on the Bricks and, and Clicks podcast. I, I love what he said right at the end there. I just, that was so golden to me. A leader's first responsibility, he said, was to define reality. Mm. I mean, how many times do we look at our churches and look at our organizations through rose-tinted spectacles? Yeah. We need to be real and define reality and then figure out where it is we want to go and say to our people, this is where we're going. Follow me as we follow Christ together. That was a wonderful moment to finish on. It really, really was. Yeah, and I just love how practical Jim is. You know, even with those that are able to watch it on our YouTube channel, you'll get to see all the charts and the graphs and things that Jim was explaining as far as life cycle of the church and even the life cycle of a merger and a pathway to do the merger. All those practical things, you can see it on the YouTube version of it on our YouTube channel. But I love how practical Jim gets when it comes to helping churches be better together. And I would just encourage you, if you haven't gotten a copy of his uh, the latest edition of his book, 
to go out online and find it. It's better together how church merges um, can work together. So check it out online. And as always, we are online, Duncan Banks, all week long. And we'd love to hear from you, our listeners, because we love connecting with like-minded leaders. And so if you're finding this helpful or if you've got a question or you even want to connect with either of the networks that Duncan and I lead, hit us up online, bricksandclickspodcast.com and it's Bricks and Clicks Podcast on all the social media platforms. We'd love to connect with you. Any final thoughts, Duncan? No, only that. I'm still very jealous that it's very sunny in Brisbane and it's very cold in London. But otherwise, I can't wait to meet everybody again uh, when we dive into our next episode of the Bricks and Clicks podcast. Well, we hope this episode of Bricks and Clicks was helpful. If it was, then we'd love if you could leave us a review on your preferred podcast platform. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you are leading a church in Australia, the UK or Ireland, we'd love to help you grow your church by reaching unchurched people. Go to www.bricksandclickpodcast.com and click on your country's flag to find a whole bunch of free resources to help your church go further, faster and become irresistible once again.